Welcome to the 34th episode of the Skills Factory, talks and ideas about skills from Europe and beyond. This is a podcast series produced by the European Training Foundation, the European Union agency working on the topic of human capital development in the EU neighboring countries. I'd like to introduce our guest, so welcome to Anna Dorangricchia, Program Manager for Gender Equality at the Union for the Mediterranean. Welcome, Anna. Thank you to you for this kind invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you again. Thank you, Anna. So let's set a common ground for everyone and uh, let's start by making things clearer. What is the Union for the Mediterranean in your own words? The Union for Mediterranean is an intergovernmental organization of 43 member states, 27 from European Union, from MENA countries, from Western Balkan and from Turkey. What does it mean? means that uh, we have a political mandate to offer a policy dialogue platform on different thematic areas, going from economic development, employment, education, research, um, urban planning, uh, uh, environment, climate change, and of course about youth, gender, and more in general, social inclusion. Very recently, the European Training Foundation and the Union for uh, the Mediterranean have cooperated at uh, an event focusing on uh, inclusion. And data in that context revealed a stark reality that more than a quarter of women in almost half of the EU's neighboring countries are neither in education, employment, nor training the the so-called needs, to use an acronym, with some countries reaching up to 40%. Now, as per your experience of the ground, at a general level, what is the state of gender inclusion and women's entrepreneurship in these countries? As you said, the figures are quite clear. We go from uh, 57% of uh, people graduate in engineering in Tunisia to a presence of women in uh, tech sector below the 20%. So we are not talking just about the problem of needs to people not educated, but even if when they have a high level of education, this means that there are legal, there are cultural, there are economic barriers to achieve a full economic employment. Why this? The data are saying that everybody is recognizing that uh, women um, in terms of um, economic actors have a big untapped potential. But this is not enough. I mean, acknowledge this is not enough. This means putting in place uh, public policies, enabling conditions, working with private sectors, uh, bridging the vocational educational training uh, and the private actors, meaning uh, updating the curriculum in order to have a STEM science, technology, engineering, and maths dimension. These mean giving all the enabling condition for needs for women in this condition to have access to education. We need to think about how to support women to get a full economic integration. Uh, would you have any, any successful examples at hand? We launched uh, the MENA Women Business Club uh, in 2021 for 150 women. We have a national ambassador in each country. Some of them mobilize uh, funds from external investors. We are going to launch uh, a project for an online incubation program in Lebanon for 
20 women entrepreneurs working on waste management and plastic uh, recycle. Uh, we are going to launch a new program uh, for social innovation on uh, agro-food value change for women entrepreneurs. We would like to work on uh, women in the perspective of social entrepreneurship. We cannot do this alone. We need the public and private partnership, but we need also to work a lot with institutions working on vocational educational training and um, upskilling and reskilling. This is fundamental for us because especially talking about the future of the work, we need this kind of intervention from everybody. Very recently, Ambassador Jean-Paul Grec, uh, who is uh, the Deputy Secretary General for Social and Civil Affairs Divisions at the, the Union for the Mediterranean, drew attention to the economic potential of women in the uh, Euro-Mediterranean region. And he said, investing in women could lead to a 25% increase in GDP. So how to convince the skeptics that this could be actually uh, a line of action that uh, would lead to benefits in these countries? All the data confirm that if you look more pragmatically at the economic performance uh, rate of uh, women entrepreneurs, all the data say that they are performing better. Not also in terms of uh, incomes, uh, in terms of revenues, but in terms of job creations. There are countries like Morocco and Jordan who have adopted the new strategy for uh, sustainable and inclusive growth, where specific pillars have been uh, devoted to women economic empowerment. Uh, Tunisia has uh, recently launched a new strategy for female entrepreneurship. So there are good signs in view of untapped this potential for growth, but still, unfortunately, the figures show that we are not still there. There are only 1% of impact funds investing in women-led company in the MENA region, when the average in other region is 12-15% at least. So on this sense, there is a lot of work in terms of awareness, in terms of um, training, capacity building program to be implemented. Only 1% of impact funds is allocated to women businesses in the MENA region. Is it why the Union for the Mediterranean has decided to organize a big event in March 2024 with the Union for the Arab Banks in occasion of Women's Day? Yes, this is one of the reasons why we decide to uh, co-organize with the Union of Arab Banks, uh, which is an umbrella organization gathering uh, the main financial institutions in the region, like the central banks, but also the private banks, to focus on uh, the gender gap in financial inclusion of women entrepreneurs in the region. Why? Because we consider that uh, if we don't talk with the financial actors, uh, we, we will not go further in women economic empowerment. More concretely, sometimes we don't really know why <laughs> the financial actors and the impact uh, funds investment are not investing on women. And this is what we need to better understand, which is the missing link between the two axles. It's a matter of lack of knowledge of the realities, a lack of skills, is a lack of a common languages. So we have the legal frameworks there. We need strategy and funds. Uh, the banks will be um, 
sitting at the same table. So what about the cultural barriers? How much is that still impacting change? And do you see differences in uh, between 43 countries in which the Union for the Mediterranean has been working? When we go back to the MENA countries, uh, I have to say that there is still cultural barriers. But the problem is not because they are cultural that uh, we have no a full and uh, effective uh, women economic empowerment. The cultural barriers are translated in lack of vision and strategy in the policies. So it's just not a matter of gender bias or stereotypes. If you don't realize that when you are planning your urban transport, you have to take into account the specific needs of women working and need to go from one place to another. And there is a matter of uh, a time schedule in, uh, in terms of security, you are preventing women from fully using the uh, labor market opportunity or to have access to education. This is why it's so important to fight again, the stereotype, but it's also important to find against the lack of uh, full knowledge and capacities and skills in planning matters. Are you saying that one of the biases that uh, can happen when thinking about uh, women involvement in the job market in the MENA region is attributing full responsibility to cultural barriers? And this would mean not seeing what the other obstacles are and these are obstacles we can still work on. Absolutely. And having uh, said that, I would also like to say that uh, the narration should change. Because uh, if we keep repeating that, that what matters most is the cultural barriers, uh, the risk is that we are going to use it as an excuse. We are not going to change in one year, in two years, three years, the cultural barriers. What we can change is our policies that will help us to also change the cultural barriers. And this is where we need to work more. And when I'm talking about the narration, I'm talking about political, economical, social level. There is an optimistic perspective in this sense because uh, everybody is recognizing that you cannot think sustainable, peaceful, and uh, well-being society if you don't have 50% or 51% of your population on board with full rights. Because women are working. So it's not, when we talk about also unemployment rate, we have to take into account that these in, uh, in many countries, there is a huge informal sectors. So sometimes it's not just a matter of having a job, is an having a decent job, meaning with the full rights, full social protection, the one that will allow women to have a work-life balance because there are in place systems helping to balance your work and life. Many women in the southern neighborhood are working and they are also taking care of their, their families. We are talking about countries with a very young population still. Um, Thinking about the enabling factors uh, that are supporting women's uh, employment, what about support to fathers? 
support to fathers in devoting time to family and childcare? What about policies which are uh, supporting families with an, a more holistic vision? In terms of policies, in terms of labor market, uh, the right for maternity leaves is recognized in all the countries. But unfortunately, when we talk paternity leave, we are not still there. But, but there is some sign of, let's say, shifting the mindset saying, okay, this is an opportunity for women, but this uh, is also an opportunity for men in the framework of the same family, because this will allow also them to have a more, uh, let's say, active role in, in the framework of the family. A couple of years ago, there was a um, study, a survey published, saying that uh, when you were inquiring uh, um, which is the role of mothers and fathers uh, in um, overcoming the gender stereotypes, they show that the one, the ones pushing for a daughter to go to the school, to their access to education, to the university, in most cases, the work, the fathers, because they see this as an economic opportunities, not only for the daughters, but also for the full family. When sometimes mothers can tend to reproduce the same, the same pathway, the same stereotypes. So, uh, because it's too risky, it's too challenging, it's not safe and secure and so on. Fathers sometimes see a positive um, economic evolution of the situation of women as indeed an opportunity. So w we should try to not start from, you know, a stereotype ideas. Uh, and we have to support this kind of process, this kind of pathway. If we leave them alone, really it will be a big, huge miss opportunity for all the region. I'm not talking about the MENA, all the region. Europe and North Africa. The Union for the Mediterranean is uh, cooperating in this endeavor also with the European Training Foundation and uh, uh, the organizations have uh, formalized their cooperation in 2022 with something that we call the cooperation of intent. Now, what's the meaning, seeing from your perspective? From our point of view, is absolutely a successful uh, cooperation and the event uh, that uh, took place uh, 10 days ago in Barcelona about uh, inclusive uh, labor market policies was a good example. And when we talk about cooperation, we talk about women, but we talk also youth. We talk about uh, people with disability and uh, we are uh, in a period, in an era where uh, we talk uh, about mobility, about migration. So all these areas are absolutely relevant uh, and the expertise of European Training Foundation in terms of data providing, in terms of training and peer learning um, exercise are absolutely valuable for the activity of the Union for Mediterranean. And now, as we do in all the ETF Skills Factory podcast episodes, we've asked artificial intelligence to generate a question to you. So, Anna, here is a question prepared by ChatGPT. Anna, considering the cultural diversity within the Union for the Mediterranean, 
How do you navigate conversations around gender issues without imposing a Western-centric perspective? This is a good question, thanks to ChatGPT. Um, the answer that is not coming from ChatGPT, but from myself, is that, uh, you know, we deal with people, with human beings. And when you deal with human beings, if you are able to communicate, to share knowledge, to be listening what they are their needs, what they are, their expectation, the cultural barrier will not be there. Thank you very much, Anna, for, for this exchange. I'd like to close this conversation by a question which is uh, focusing on you, because you have joined the Union for the Mediterranean three years ago after more than 20 years in uh, project management at an international level. We want to know what made you embrace this new adventure? Well, <laughs> this is one of the questions that uh, they raised me during my interview <laughs> when I was selected for the Uniform Mediterranean. I was really curious to see what does it mean being on the policy levels? What can be done in terms of bringing the experience from the field levels to improve the outlining, the elaboration of the policy levels? And it's an interesting experience. So we were just to work uh, with other people, uh, really providing concrete projects that can help women. And just to give a concrete example, one of the projects uh, funded by the Union for Mediterranean was about the economic inclusion of women in rural cooperatives in Morocco and Tunisia. And during the final conference of uh, the project, we invited uh, a woman from a really remote area of Tunisia. And she spoke in Arabic when generally she speaks in dialect. So she made a big effort. And in a five minutes of intervention, answering to my question, which was the big benefit of this project uh, that was in terms of training, capacity building, skills, and so on, she answered, you know what, this project gave me the opportunity to become visible. For the first time, I was visible to my family, to my children, to my uh, village, a local community. For the first time, everybody recognized me. I have a value, a social value, an economic value. And for me, this was the big change that this project brought to my life. And for me, for me as UFM, this was a very small but good example what we can do if we cooperate with people to change their life. Thanks to Anna Dorangricchia, Program Manager for Gender Equality from the Union for the Mediterranean. Thanks for having been with us, Anna. Thank you to you again. It was a pleasure. Thank you again. As always, this is not the end. And uh, thank you very much to all of you who have been listening. We invite you to follow the Skills Factory podcast on all our platforms. And on behalf of the European Training Foundation, stay tuned because there is much more to come. Goodbye.